Welcome to Under the Lens. Come and enjoy an extraordinary, raw, and unfiltered podcast that delivers debate, discussions, and interviews about film, pop culture, and everything in between. Here is your host, film critic and journalist, Byron Lafayette. Today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Curtis Clough. Curtis is an American indie comic book author, writer, and co-creator, best known for his books The Wild Cosmos, Beastlands, Slightly Exaggerated, and Majestic, which he self-published through his own imprint to Infinity Studios using crowdfunding. Thanks to an ever-increasing fan base, he has had 13 fully funded Kickstarter campaigns. His work on Beastlands caught the attention of distributor Dark Horse Comics, and they are releasing a trade paperback of issues 1 through 5, which will launch on June 15th in comic book stores and June 28th on Amazon and in traditional bookstores. Curtis is also a passionate gamer who has worked on the video game Deadtime Defenders, which was released on Steam by Ravenous Games. I truly hope you enjoy the following conversation as much as I did. So uh, can you tell me a little bit of like uh, how you got into the business of writing comics? Like, you know, what, what started that love for you? Yeah, I was uh, my whole life. I always wanted to do something creatively. I was always into writing stories and stuff. And uh, at a young age, I was kind of drawn to comics and was trying to make them myself. But I didn't really read anything monthly. I didn't know where to get them. I would just get like random issues from like Borders, uh, like a music store. They would have like Wolverine or just superhero uh, stuff that I would grab. But never read anything continuously. It was just just felt a pull towards them. Um, and it wasn't until like my late teens, early 20s that I just became obsessed with comics, started reading all of Images Catalog, all the creator-owned stuff. And that's when I knew that uh, so it was a place where I wanted to really channel this creativity and just focus on. And I love it. So it's just once I once I knew I loved comics, I knew that was going to be the thing. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know how that is kind of like growing up, you know, you, you know, the the comics world can be like kind of like convoluted and not necessarily a bad way, but it's like, you know, you can't really jump into issue 30 of Batman, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially as a young kid and the internet wasn't as widely available back then that I could just like Google or you didn't have comicsology back then to just like read issues. So I would just like go into a store and just grab random issues. So it's, yeah, it was hard. Sure, man. Yeah, that was nostalgic. You mentioned mentioning uh, borders. <laughs> yeah, a lot of memories. <laughs> oh man. Well, you got the uh, blockbuster hat. That's just as nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I found this one. It was like the the last blockbuster store in like Oregon or something. They have like uh, okay. a whole store and they sell like everything. And I like saw the hat and I was like, oh, I got to get that. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I got to take a trip up there before it's yeah. gone. That's cool. I know. Yeah, like it's turned into this whole like tourist thing, and like I want to go up there and check it out as well. It looks yeah. Super the last cool. blockbuster it sounds like a movie <laughs> I did, it does <laughs> oh you know like uh you know you mentioned you know like as you got older you know you got more into like you know catalogs of comics and stuff you know is there any that stand out as like your favorite of like either issues or graphic novels or just anything oh for sure yeah big fan of uh the writer rick remender all of his stuff is just very inspirational his writing style and it's all high concept stuff just like uh what i like what i like to write um deadly class tokyo ghost black science low like all of his creator and stuff which is awesome same with kirkman like kirkman's obviously like a huge mm -hmm. huge inspiration like He's so successful. One of the most mm -hmm. successful comic writers out there. All <laughs> success with uh, uh, The Walking Dead, Skybound, everything he's done. Cy Spurrier is another one that I just love his work. Step by Bloody Step, Coda. Uh, there's so many great books out there. 
It is very true. Yeah. It, it sometimes feels like overwhelming, like choosing like what you want to do, you know? I know. Yeah. There's so much to read. I mean, especially as a creator, like my time to read is limited. So I got to really pick mm-hmm. and choose what I'm really into writers I like. And then like, mm-hmm. obviously it's usually like sci-fi fantasy stuff like that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's a lot of great stuff, you know? Um, you know, so like, uh, for your, your newest ones coming out, you know, Beastlands, uh, where did that, like, uh, where did that idea come from? <laughs> Yeah, it's very inspired by stuff I grew up with in the 90s, stuff like Studio Ghibli, Princess Mononoke, and Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like all that stuff I loved back in the uh, 90s, early 2000s. And uh, But this, uh, I always try to put something more like personable, personable and uh, meaningful into my stories, just so it's not just uh, meaningless entertainment. And for this, it's, uh, it's really about like the pet and human bond and relationship. Uh, back in 2016, my dog was hit by a car and luckily she survived, uh, but it was like very traumatic. Like I had to carry her home, thought she was dying in my arms and stuff and uh she pulled through and it, it was just that whole experience uh i just it was like mostly like the inspiration and heart of beastlands just trying to like put that into the story and uh the main theme of it oh i'm, I'm glad uh, i'm glad they survived <laughs> yeah she's good she's uh she's here next to me she's living a good life now oh man i know exactly exactly how that feels you know because uh i i had a, a cat that adopted me and i i let him you know come in and come out and i came home from work one day and he was like sitting by the back door and he was kind of moaning and i didn't know what was wrong and it, i still don't know what happened to him i think he fell off a fence or something you know and oh, th- thankfully he he was fine you know and so he didn't go outside anymore so <laughs> He learned his lesson. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the hair is okay though. Yeah, so I, I definitely know that know that feeling. Man. Um, you know, I really liked the artwork uh, of your book. Like, it was really cool, just the way like the images popped, and and you know the way the the art kind of told the story as well. You know, with the text. Um, so like, how did, uh, how did that relationship develop, you know, with the artists? Like, was it, was it somebody who, you know, you had in mind when you were writing or, or you met along the way? No, it's, uh, I was already working on the story and I, I had the early groundwork for Beastlands and I, I knew I was looking for a certain art style and, uh, I had it in my head and it wasn't until I came across, across Joe's work on, I think Twitter and reached out to her, asked her if she wanted to work on this. And I, I just knew her art style was perfect for it. It's like the perfect vibe for Beastlands. And uh, uh, we worked, she she got on early, like before I ever even wrote like the first script or anything. I, sh- I showed her the pitch and the early stuff I had and she was brought in early. So she's my co-creator. We both co-own it and uh, collaborator. She brings a lot of her own own into this like world mm-hmm. and a lot of her own ideas into the pages, into the beasts and everything. So it's, it's a very collaborative process. She's based out of South Korea. So we just work completely like through uh, Google Docs and uh-huh. uh, email and uh, Google Drive, Dropbox, all those tools. Um, we've never even spoken, but we've worked, <laughs> we've worked together since like late 2018 now. So we've made wow. it work and it's like a pretty smooth process. But yeah, it's crazy. The internet, you can just work with artists mm-hmm. all over the world. Just really lucky to be living in this time. That's it's very true, you know, because because before, you know, you had to go in person and network, whether it's conventions or just, you know, art shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy how you can how you can contact so many people from all over the all over the world, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I mean with like Google Translate and all these other tools, like you can actually communicate people, mm-hmm. like the language barrier isn't as much as a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's true. There was a, an author I interviewed a few months ago. I think it was his graphic novel was Unicorn. I think. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And it was fascinating. Of like the artist, you know. I think they said he was from like South America and stuff. And they just like found him on Instagram, you know, and like oh, started, cool. you know, started contacting. And it was interesting. They were like, oh yeah, we we're sending him pictures of like you know, kind of like you know, uh, Midwest America, so he'd know like how to draw the farm, you know. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it's cool. Never been you know? it. It was cool. <laughs> 
man. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, we talked a little bit about like the artwork and stuff, you know, and, you know, kind of how you collaborated a little bit. Um, did she like, did they change at all? Like their, their style of artwork, do you know, for your type of story or was it something like, like that they were, you know, creating as you were writing it or did, did they come in, you know, with a very strong pitch of like, this is the type of, of work I want to do. <laughs> Uh, it was very collaborative. Like she, she, this is her first comic she's ever done. Surprisingly, for how great her art is, like she just did some like commission comic pages before. That is, that's what I saw, and that's why I reached out to her. And little did I know, like she never like actually drew a comic. Uh, she was working in the video game industry at the time, doing concept stuff. So her concepts were always super strong. Uh, I would send her ideas for characters, the beasts, what I had, and then she would always comes back with something better than I had in my head. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, she just, uh, it was, it was, uh, once she started drawing the pages and stuff, it was all pretty smooth. Like she had the style down and, and how, uh, b would look. Yeah. That's very cool. You know, um, also, you know, congratulations on, on the book being, you know, picked up by dark horse. You know, that's, that's very, thank cool. you. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It, it gives us a chance to hit a whole new audience. Like we started on Kickstarter. We've done six or seven Kickstarters for Beastlands over the year since like early or early 2019. And, uh, we even did like a theme song, uh, for Beastlands. We did a soundtrack that was on Kickstarter for like a full orchestra of vinyl and stuff. That's so awesome. we just full <laughs> indie started on Kickstarter and now, uh, there's, there's still so many readers and such a, like a different audience that doesn't even know what Kickstarter is or doesn't buy books on Kickstarter. So this gives us a chance to hit comic shops, bookstores, Amazon, like all the good stuff and hopefully pick up a lot of new readers. That's true, man. You know, how did, uh, how did that uh, all come together, you know, with, uh, for you to be picked up by them? <laughs> Uh, it was a long time in the making. They reached out like back before the pandemic. We talked for a number of months. I still had to like pitch it up the chain there, and they they were super cool. And uh, we got a full like creator owned deal, so we still totally own Beastlands. Uh, we can still launch Kickstarters if we want. We've already launched uh, issues six and seven on Kickstarter uh, for the start of volume two. So it's just like a perfect deal. And uh, Dark Horse is like a really respectable publisher with history. They've been around a while, and it just seems like like a perfect home for Beastlands to come out. That's true. Yeah. Cause yeah, they, they've been around a long time. I remember reading some of the, uh, the, the, um, like star Wars comics from like the nineties, you know, yeah. Yeah, it was like tales of the Jedi, I think, or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's like the process first, you know, something like dark horse or anything of like, of like pitching stuff, like, uh, w what is that process? And I would imagine being a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely nerve wracking, <laughs> like a lot of pressure. You, you want things to go good. Uh, we have an awesome editor there and it, they were all super nice to us. And uh, it's a little different process for us, I think, because we already had a few issues done. Like the normal pitching process is uh, sometimes you're just going in with like a page doc pitch and uh, and some art or sometimes you don't even need the art, sometimes just the pitch. But for us, we obviously had like the pitch, all the story info, and then we had like issues that they could just read so they could really get a feel for the story and see if they like it. And I think it's, it's less of a commitment for them. They don't have to pay our page rates or anything and pay for the art like it's already funded through kickstarter so it's less of a risk i guess to kind of make back their money on sales so i guess uh, a lot of these publishers are kind of seeing that now with kickstarter uh, kickstarter you should be kind of like looked down upon with lower quality but over the past few years there's like so many great books coming from kickstarter and all the art's already done so it's, it's just less of a risk for many publishers but yeah pitching through uh just had to give them all the info and just luckily they liked it and just pitched, pitched it up the chain <laughs> That is very true about like Kickstarter, you know, because I remember way back in the early days of it, you know, it was kind of like almost it was almost like the self-publishing stigma and stuff. Yeah. You know? 
you yeah. know, that <laughs> I think that stigma is definitely gone now where oh, yeah. you're able to sign with like these bigger publishers and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the pandemic played a part where that's when my Kickstarters really started blowing up because comic shops were shut down. Like there was, that was like the only place to get books for a little bit. And then Scott Snyder using Kickstarter, Boom Studios, Keanu Reeves and everybody like uh-huh, launching yeah. Kickstarters <laughs> on there. It really brought a lot of eyes. Like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people dislike when these big companies or big names use Kickstarter because they don't need mm-hmm. the money. It's just like a pre-order store. But I, I think uh, I like to be a glass half full where it just brings more eyes. It, it makes people more aware of Kickstarter. I think it can only help us smaller indie t- uh, creators. No, that's, it's very true, you know, because I remember when uh, when like the Kindle uh, first came out and there was all these like fiction authors on there and everyone was like, oh, it's just self-publishing. But then like so many of them took off and, you know, it's like there was ones who, you know, became, you know, completely, you know, just, you know, filthy rich. <laughs> just selling, yeah, like, their it, it, pays, <laughs> it pays to be a, a early adopter <laughs> yeah. and to like really master one of these early technologies. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's very cool and you know and uh there's a lot of a lot of really good authors out there but you know um you know cuz you know you've done a lot of you know work in like the indie comic you know uh arena and stuff um you know uh what would you say is, has it been a different experience you know working with like a larger publisher like Dark Horse versus you know some of the the more uh, independent ones that that you've done in the past yeah, it's been different. Uh, you know, they're just very professional. They have a whole marketing team uh, and publicists and everything, and uh, the design team. Like, it's stuff that I'm used to doing myself. Like, I've I've done 15 Kickstarters. I've self published a ton of books. I'm used to like getting my hands dirty, figuring uh-huh. out the page weights, uh, <laughs> all the little things. I still ship all of my Kickstarter books myself. I got boxes behind me that I'm shipping out orders for Beastland Six and Seven. Like, I touch every package. So it's just a lot off my hands, honestly. Where you know I don't have to ship books. Like, it's all distributed. <laughs> to comic shops and Amazon and bookstores. Like it's kind of nice. And, and to have the design team, like it's, it's a, uh, I'm used to having all of those extra stresses and like managing everything, almost like an image book where you're in charge of design, marketing, everything. But now this is kind of uh, working with darkers. I can kind of take a step back and let them handle the reins, something that they're good at and know how to do. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Cause you know, that, that is one of the positives of like, you know, independent is like you have full control over everything, you know, creatively mm-hmm. and, and everything, but it sounds like you guys got a good deal though with dark horse. It sounds yeah, like it's still fully yeah. creator owned. And I still mm-hmm. had a lot of control. Like I'm a huge mm-hmm. book design snob where I wanted like a nice soft <laughs> matte cover. We got that. We got spot gloss on the front, spot gloss on the back. Uh, it's just, you know, they, they were cool and listened to all my requests. So they've been great to work with. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's always, it's always good for a publisher to listen to the creatives, you know, because you know, your audience, so you know what people want. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. You know, um, you know, now you said, you know, you, you know, you worked, you know, uh, you know, growing up and in your early career, you know, working on like fiction and like writing stories and stuff, you know, um, would you say that there is a, you know, like, what would you say the difference is between like writing for like a graphic novel or a comic versus writing for maybe a more traditional story of like, you know, a novel or short story? Yeah. Writing a graphic novel or comic is just, uh, you know, you're like a part of a team. It's very collaborative and, uh, it's different than like, you know, TV or movies where it is such a small team that you can really get your intent across on a comic, but, uh, it's different than a graphic or different than like writing a, just a, a novel or so. Cause it's not just you, like you need to, you need to work well with a team. You have usually like a line artist, maybe a colorist, maybe a letter, and you're all working cohesively to try to tell this story. So you can't, uh, you have to be open to, I guess, collaboration and open to others' ideas. Like, I never want to just write comic scripts and have my artist just translate it directly mm. and just, you know, and make it seem like it's an assembly line. I want them to put, to add to it and change it if they want it. Like, just talk to me and, and make it collaborative. It's a lot more fun that way. 
Yeah, I, I would guess that would be the, that would be true. You know, when you uh, this is just more like a creative question, but like, you know, when you're writing, you know, your, your comic script, scripts and stuff, you know, do you see it, you know, going on in your head almost like, you know, definitely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You, you're, you're seeing the panels, the panels come out in your head. You're seeing like panel by panel how you think it's going to look in action scenes. But that's the thing about being a writer when you're working <laughs> with these amazing artists. When Once they get you, once they send you art back, it's always like 10 times better than you had in your head. That's that's one of the most uh, that's one of the most fun parts of being a writer is every week when you get that uh, art into your inbox and it's just like a, a little high when you see the amazing <laughs> art and uh, seeing your scripts translate into art. It's, it's awesome. And I would imagine that'd be a, a very cool feeling, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so now, you know, um, I know you worked in the uh, the video game industry, you know, before. And so, um, you know, I kind of wanted to, to ask you, like, you know, what was what was that experience like? And what were some of the games that you worked on? <laughs> yeah, I just worked on a few uh, small indie games. Dead Time Defenders is on Steam. Uh, Pauldron is one still in development and a few others that are, are not out yet. Uh, it's just another passion of mine. Like, I love video games just as much as I love, like, comics, board games, card games. It's just <laughs> something I loved. So being able to like work on it it's just a, a dream come true and it's very different than uh than comics where sometimes story can be like an afterthought in, in games and they bring in writers later so much it's such a that's that's like another thing where even for these small indie games it's uh usually a bigger team you need a programmer and artist and so many other things that sometimes you're brought in late to kind of just throw together some writing like i would love to be a part of a game early on either an indie game studio or triple a where i could really uh, do like the groundwork for a good story. And uh, sometimes games, it just depends. Every gig varies. Like sometimes it's just busy work where you're writing, like uh, naming guns and weapons and uh, <laughs> writing descriptions for weapons or character descriptions. Or sometimes you're, you know, just writing more story stuff. But it'd be cool to uh, hopefully in the future do more of that and uh, get brought on early on to help write a cool story for a game. Uh-huh. That's cool. You know, because I guess, you know, you never I never really thought about it. But it's true. Like, you know, when you play like Borderlands or something like that. Every gun has a name. And, like, yeah, no, uh, write it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I worked on one game where I was literally just like naming 50 <laughs> weapons and uh, it gets tough when you, <laughs> you have to like try to think of something original that hasn't been done yet and just put down the list. But it, it can be like busy work. Very different than comic writing for sure. Yeah, I would assume. So, um, so as, as a fun question, you know, do you have a like a a favorite video game of like all time or something that you? Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The uh, the Last of Us series. That's uh, mm-hmm. as a writer, like it's a very story focused game. Uh, Naughty Dogs by far my favorite developer. Like everything they make is awesome. And uh, Last of Us Part One and Part Two, just amazing games. It's uh, very, very, very true. They they completely raised the bar when it came to like yeah. story driven games. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blew everything away. Yeah, uh, man. You know, so um, you know, if there's you know somebody in our in our listening audience or something who you know is interested in like writing comics or something like that, you know, um, what would you say to them as like advice or or something if they're looking to to break into that world or get started with it? Yeah, the uh, the advice all the veterans give is you have to make something to break into the comics <laughs> industry, and you're lucky you live in a time with Kickstarter. As as a writer, it can be expensive. You have to pay for the art, you have to pay the page rates for everybody, the letter, the artist. Uh, you have to pay for printing and everything. So you're, you're kind of lucky right now if you want to break into comics because uh, just to make something, you have Kickstarter. And I would say start small, uh, start writing smaller scripts, you know, just one page, five page, 10 pages, get practice. Like you don't even have, ever have to pay for the art for the scripts. That's just practice for yourself. It's free and you're going to get better with every script. Uh, your biggest thing is just getting better at your craft so people will like want to buy your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, hire editors, like they're not that expensive. You can hire ed- comic editors to then critique your scripts and 
see what you're doing wrong, see what you're doing right. Bring in editors like earlier on for like uh, more of the story outlines and stuff to just make sure your like overall story process is good and the story structure. Um, and then uh, start small with Kickstarter too. Like launch a one shot on Kickstarter or like a mini series. Don't try to make something that's like a twenty issue or eighty <laughs> issue series. It's not realistic as a, a new creator. Everybody <laughs> wants to do that, but just don't. Like uh, you're gonna learn the hard way. Like start with a three issue series or something. Something small that's like attainable as a new creator. And uh, it's a grind, but if you launch a small Kickstarter for like a few thousand, like maybe two to five thousand dollars as your goal, like it's very attainable for your first Kickstarter. And if you bring on some awesome artists, like you gotta, you're gonna have to pay for like your own preview for like the line art for at least like five to ten pages. Like you have to put some skin in the game and, and uh, pay some money out of your own pocket to get this going. But you could get rewarded, and then if your Kickstarter is successful, then you'll have money to make the rest of the comic. That's great advice. Huh. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, um, you know, with the uh, with Beastlands, you know, um, is there is there like a, a theme or a message that you would like, you know, um, as somebody's reading through it or after they finish it, you know, that you would like them to step away uh, from the work with? Yeah, like I said, it, it's very much about the uh, the pet and human bond. That's like a, a major theme through it, and it, it's also uh, one of the main messages of the story is. Uh, um, is uh appreciating what what appreciating what you have before it's too late uh you see like uh the way the main character treats his keeper and friends and kind of splits everyone up and uh he kind of doesn't appreciate everybody till it's too late so it's one of the main messages yeah very cool uh so where can uh, where can people find you and uh, and find your work <laughs> yeah i'm at curtis clow on pretty much all those social platforms twitter instagram uh, facebook page and then uh my portfolio site curtisclaw.com is my all of my contact info and my company site is to infinitystudios.com uh working on getting a shop up there and stuff and then yeah beastlands will be out uh it got delayed a little bit with shipping delays covid but uh i think it's um now it's june 29th at, at comic shops and amazon and bookstores is now july 12th very cool well i'll definitely be uh be picking one up at my uh, my local comic shop so it's awesome thank <laughs> uh, you <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for uh for coming on board and talking with me it was it was very fun and i always love uh love digging down and exploring uh authors and their work <laughs> yeah thank you for having me i appreciate it